ladies and gentlemen, we have a new sponsor on the podcast today. It's Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a supplement that I've been using even before they were a sponsor of the podcast. It's a daily supplement that you put into a glass of water in the morning. You take one scoop of Athletic Greens, throw it in a glass of water, and with that, you're covered on your daily vitamins, minerals. Uh, it also contains a bunch of probiotics. I've just really enjoyed Athletic Greens, and it, it saves me the hassle of taking a bunch of vitamins, and it also tastes super good. And now that Athletic Greens is a sponsor of this podcast, if you go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML, you can get a free one-year supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. So check it out, athleticgreens.com slash WCML. It's the perfect supplement for any young wrestler who's looking to get their vitamins and daily greens covered. Check it out, athleticgreens.com slash WCML. Now let's get to the show. It was just, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna do it this way. You know, and it became tiger style, the culture. We didn't have the name for it yet, but it was, we're going to live this certain way and we're going to do things a certain way and you're going to follow it. And, it and, and so we started with small things, which is taking the stairs. You know, there's an elevator that comes up to our fourth floor, but basketball and volleyball, they're used to, where the wrestling room is now used to be a gym and they would take the elevator. I'm like, we're going to take the stairs. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, that's good wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. Our guest today is the head coach of the University of Missouri, Brian Smith. Coach Smith has created a dynasty since taking over at Missouri in 1998. They've won 11 straight conference championships. They had a national champ this year and won Keegan O'Toole. They've had two Olympians, Ben Askren, Jaden Cox. And this is all developed, again, from nothing, folks. Missouri had like five losing seasons in a row when Coach Smith took over. So you're hearing from a true dynasty builder, and Coach Smith goes into his philosophy on how he built Missouri. So much coaching knowledge here. I can't wait for you to listen to it. Fan of the week goes to our friend Andrew Popwell out of Columbia, Missouri. Thank you so much for your support of the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for head coach Brian Smith. Coach Brian Smith, welcome to the podcast, sir. Glad to be here. Excited to be here. It's an honor to have you. 
Uh, we were just talking off there about one of your young stallions, Keegan O'Toole, coming off a national title. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now you've had to reflect on it, but uh, just what are your thoughts on seeing him get his first national title? First, it wasn't unexpected. I just, you know, he's been special since the day he got here. And really, since I recruited him, I knew he was one of the elite kids when we started recruiting him. And then just through our conversations, the way he would talk and break things down and how he was studying film of Mizzou guys and what we're doing on top that I, I was like, this kid's special. I have long conversations with him, which in the recruiting process, you're not supposed to go too long, but they were so much fun. He were so, I was enjoying talking to him and just how mentally he was advanced in the sport, which doesn't surprise me because he was coached by his club coaches, Ben Askren. And just through the years, and then he gets here. And I think after the first week, I had a lot of upperclassmen coming to me and going, this kid is really good. And of course, his only loss since he's been to Mizzou is in the quarterfinals last year at the NCAAs, and he ended up finishing third, then goes on and won two U-20 national tournaments, goes out and wins the U-20 Worlds and wins the national tournament this year. So it was, it was, I was very excited for him, but it was expected. You know, we expected that from Keegan and he expected it too. And so even back in high school, he had a mind for this kind of stuff where he was breaking things down. Without a doubt, he was special. I mean, just the way he would talk about things and approach competition. And I mean, I even saw it after he lost at the NCAAs his true freshman year. I thought he'd be crushed. He'd be upset about some of the calls. He immediately was like, I did this. I did this. I shouldn't have done this. We're going to get better and put it away and was warming up before the next match, which is the All-American round. And he was so loose and laughing and relaxed and went out and executed his game plan and got it done. And I wish he could have that. You know, that's the type of mindset you want in all your guys that he can he can deal with things, move on, not blame others. And he uh, looks at it and approaches it that here's what I got to do to get better. And I'm going to find a way to do that. And the next match does. So I was going to ask you, what is it about, like, what common trait do you see with someone like him or like a Ben Askren where they can, they can just take ownership and move on and not make the moment bigger than it is? Yeah, they, they work so hard at getting better all the time. So it isn't just, I just got to get my single better. It's once they get the single better to that point where they want, then it's moving on from there. How do I do it from this point? What if this reaction happens? What if I'm having trouble here? And always continuing to learn. Keegan is always there after practice, working on something that he wants to get better at and how he wants to improve and helping his teammates. And Ben was the same way. Ben was always learning. And everybody thinks Ben had great success. He had a lot of losses as a freshman, as a true freshman when he redshirted. He struggled some and had to deal with not only the physical that he had to improve on, but some of the other things with just how he's going to improve with his technique to, to get better at this sport and win more. And he did. And that's why it was a constant learning that uh, Keegan has picked up from some from Ben and some from I'm sure others, but uh, just love it because he's constantly learning and wanting to get better. Who was a bigger high school prospect coming in Askren or, or tool? Like who was more highly <laughs> setting me up uh, <laughs> for us. Ben was a game changer. And, and I have to say that because he became our first national champion. And for us, I looked at Ben on film and I actually just was talking to him about this because he just wrote a book. 
Mm-hmm. And he asked me to write the forward. And now some of the things I was thinking about was how important it was getting a Ben Askren. You know, when we were first recruiting him, he wasn't heavily recruited. And then he went out and beat Troy Letters and beat some people at juniors. And everybody was lining up to recruit him. And for him to stick with us was because not because where we were at, we were awful. We were about to have an 18 and three season, which was his senior year in high school, but it hadn't happened yet. We were selling him on the idea of this program blowing up and you can be the first. And Ben was a big Muhammad Ali fan and that he bought into that, that I could be something special and be the greatest from Mizzou all time and all these things and trying to sell him on that. So he was the first. And by getting him, it like opened the door to so many others. You know, he makes the Olympic team. He wins a couple national titles. He wins the Hodge. So Right now, if I had to say it, he was the bigger recruit for us just because where we were at. Getting O'Toole was big because we had a great recruiting class coming in and he was a part of it. That That's why this team is, you know, the two years he's been here, we've won the conference both years. We've been in the top 10 both years and he's still a freshman with him and Rocky Elam and, a, you know, Josh Edmond, that class that came in that they have goals of winning a national title. So it's a, even though Ben, his class finished third in the country, O'Toole wants to beat Ben's, so it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see who turns that, you know, who I'm not even going to say who's better or whatever, but it's just, it's just that great fun competition that they have. Look out Kansas city in two years. That's going to be a big, uh, a big tournament, a fun tournament for you guys. Cause you have such a young team right now. Yeah. Right now we're focused on getting better right now. And it starts in the spring with improving at techniques that we uh, struggled with and just that we need to tweak a little and get better. And we started today at three 30 working on some things. Really? So that's, you get, gave a couple of weeks off and now you guys are back in there. Yep, Getting back and starting. Some guys are starting freestyle up in this, but just when we can make some, make some minor adjustments and getting better and improving in a little, little bits in all the areas that we were at. And we did, we've done it every year. And every year we look at it that man, what we were struggling and when we just on the mat, all the coaches and I, and we were talking about what we were struggling with last year and how much we improved that we've got to do the same thing with this team this year. We got to take all the little things that we got to get better at, get them better there. And we're going to go into the season with more confidence. And do, do all of your guys wrestle freestyle or is it up to them on how they want to pursue their summer and what they want to work on? It's really up to them, but we've had unbelievable success. When you look at last year, just this past year, we had four guys on the world team with O'Toole, Hawks, and uh, Elam. And then um, who am I? Who am I forgetting? Oh, Brock Mahler making the U23 team in Serbia. So we had four guys and then you have Dom still competing. So there's a, you know, it's just been special. And every once in a while you got Jaden Cox popping in the room. And so we've had a lot of good history with what we've done in the freestyle mode. I was going to say right behind you, there's Jaden Cox. And you think about the Askren lineage you have. Yeah, they're over there. They're over there. Look at those guys. Yeah, I just. I just had this installed on the back of my office and now I got to figure out how to get O'Toole on it. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it looks see, great. That's a good problem. Definitely. And, it, you know, we talked about O'Toole and Askren and they're you know, from the same lineage and, and Max, obviously, and you've had, you know, a, a few other national champs, but Jaden Cox is like, you know, top 10, one of the greats of our generation, hands yes. down. Um, when he did his run to Rio in 2016, he was relatively young and still under your tutelage. Like, what was it like for him to win that third title and make it all the way through to Brazil? It's funny because we were just talking on the phone about it, how 
he didn't want to go to the trials. <laughs> he won the national title as a junior in New York. I think it was in New York City. And he's making weight and he's miserable. And I remember during the season, I think we had wrestled against Nebraska. And he got his weight down to, uh, I think it was um, 194 or something. And I think the weight is 189 and what he was going to compete at. And he's like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not cutting weight after, the, you know, because it was like 10 days later or whatever it was, he was going to have to make weight. He's like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, all right, we'll worry about this in a couple of days. But after he took a couple of days off, we got him back in the room and the rest is history. He goes out and actually struggled in his first match and had to come back and win Then comes back and wins and then wins the next one, wins the next and then get on a roll and makes the team. And then I had to tell him he had to go overseas to qualify the spot and make weight again and wrestle again. And he did it and he won the qualifier out there. But he wasn't too thrilled with all that, but he was thrilled to make the Olympic team, obviously, in the rest of his history. He goes on his senior year and wins another national title, his third, and makes the uh, uh, world teams and and just starts crushing it. Wait, so he was a junior when he made that Olympic team? Yeah, he had just finished his junior season. Oh, my Lord. I didn't know he, that. Uh, takes the bronze in the Olympics and still has a senior year left of college. And I just remember how difficult it was because he was getting asked to speak. And it's too bad they didn't have the NIL, NIL then because he was really missing out. These people should have been paying him to make all these, you know, uh, he was visiting all these different places and making speeches at places and we had to basically shut it down at some point because he got worn down. He was doing all those extra trials, the extra tournaments, training with the Olympic team all summer, then going to the Olympics then getting back and having to jump right into school. It was right when school started. And I remember at the scuffle, I think it was at the scuffle that I realized he's exhausted. He won the scuffle, but he looked exhausted and we shut him down for a couple of weeks and left him home on a few road trips. And but, really, yeah. But then, you know, stepped it up at the end of his senior year. And he was special. He was definitely special. And he never overlooked his training. It was, uh, I tell a story of one day I was driving into work and it was winter time and there was snow on the ground. And it was a 630 practice in the morning of weights and conditioning. And I see this person running down this road to, towards the Hearn Center. And I'm like, man, that person's crazy out running this morning. It's like 25 degrees or whatever it was. And as I get into the locker room, all that, I walk into the team's locker room. And I see Jaden come in all sweaty. And I'm like, were you just running down Providence? And he's like, oh, yeah, I've run from home on a couple of days a week. I, I'm, I'm not going to leave any doubt this year, coach. And this is going in. He just taken the bronze in the Olympics, won two national titles. And he's doing extra runs before the lift and conditioning. So, man, I was going to ask you, how does someone like that stay motivated when you've already reached almost the pinnacle at such a young age to come back and do the folk style grind. He just uh, didn't want to, you know, he slipped up his sophomore year and he didn't, you know, he was going to not let that happen. So he was doing it the right way and putting and for that, when you have young guys on your team, watching that, that here's a guy that won the, you know, was makes the Olympic team, won the national title, takes the bronze. He's right there and he's leaving no doubt. He's putting in the extra time. It makes them say, man, I, I guess if he's doing it, I should be doing it. So he was a great role, mo- role model for our young guys at that time. Yeah. And he, I did not realize he had to qualify the weight as well, which is just like an extra step. But did he beat Dake at the trials to make that team? 
Is that the year we beat Dake? I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I mean, think about that's just a, a, a birth of a talent right there. I mean, and it's, it's no surprise yeah. to anyone on your staff, but when you look at the way uh, an Asker and Orner tool prepares and competes, what does Jaden have in common or how does he approach it different? I'm just curious in their approaches. I mean, everybody's different in little ways, but Jaden, you know, Jaden, I, I don't think, you know what, honestly, I don't think it was much different. Mm-hmm. I, you know, they all cared about the techniques that they were doing and wanted to get better. And, you know, Jaden wanted, you know, knew, I think after his, in his freshman year, he lost his uh, first home duel. He loses the match. And when I remember getting him to come in and watch film, he didn't like to watch film, but I just wanted to show him some things like he got a takedown and then the guy got out with like 10, 15 seconds to go in the period. And I'm showing these things and I'm like, why it's so important to be able to ride a guy. And that, and next thing you know, he's in the practice room working on those things. And so he was so easy to coach because he was so motivated to get better. All three of them. Mm-hmm. All three of them know that, man, I just can't rely on what I have now. I'm going to have to make improvements. And I know I said that earlier, but that's what makes them stand apart. And what, But they all did different things, different techniques and different ways of doing it. Ben would love to run for 40, uh, to wrestle for 45 straight minutes, probably because he would get his ass kicked in the first five. And he know <laughs> the next 40, he would be killing people. But we're, uh, you know, I, I Keegan's a little bit like that, but also, but Keegan likes the weight room more than Ben did. And, you know, and of course, Jaden was a great football player, was a multi-sport player and, you know, was playing football through high school and was all state. He uh, said to me a senior year, he wasn't going to play football. And I'm like, heck with that. You're right here from Columbia. Everybody's going to blame me because you're, <laughs> you're playing. I said, you don't want to miss out on your senior year. And I think his team made the uh, state semifinals. So you convinced them to play. Oh, I made them. I coached them in sixth and eighth grade. I was undefeated as a freaking youth coach. It was unbelievable. It was, uh, Jaden was my middle linebacker and would take our, take our team out and practice. I wouldn't let Jaden hit because he'd be hitting some nasty double legs on guys and giving them concussions. So, but that was a lot of fun, you know, doing, you know, seeing, but just the differences in them growing, you know, just what they were doing where Jaden had since Jaden actually walked on in the spring with Mizzou football after his, I think it was his senior year or whatever. And so he was finished with wrestling, but he wasn't because he was on world teams. And I remember one of the coaches, the, the actual, the coach coaches with the Kansas city chiefs. Now and we were he, we're here together for 23 years and he calls me up and he's like, you know, he's drawing a lot of attention and all this with the media, but I don't know if, he, you know, he was like, I'm not sure if he'll play. I'm not saying he won't, but can he make world teams? I said, he's already placed at the Olympics. He's going to make world teams. I agree with you. I think he should be focused on wrestling. Just tell him that and tell him to get his ass back over here. And <laughs> I think that's how it went. I mean, not in that kind of way, but that's kind of the discussion. But I would have been afraid of seeing that guy running down the field on kickoffs because they said he'll play special teams and him hitting some double legs on some dude trying to run a kickoff back. That would be scary. That's scary. He must've been a talent as a high school football player. I mean, yeah, he was all state linebacker and played both ways. I think he played offensive line, even though he wasn't huge, but he could, he could run through some people. So were you, so you coached his middle school football team as well. You said it was just a Columbia youth football team that my son was the same age as Jaden and had some fun. We, we never got beaten. I'm undefeated as a, I always remind <laughs> the football coaches here. I'm undefeated in football. 
I crushed it. It's crazy because just hearing about your background and seeing some of the other interviews you've done, your dad was a football coach and uh, you guys were from the hotbed Florida football. I mean, what's bigger than Florida high school football, but you, uh, you ended up finding wrestling and you just have a crazy story to how you get there. But, you know, essentially you find wrestling and you tell your pops, I'm not playing football. And then how do you end up like going to long Island and what's this connection? Well, my, I grew up in Long Island for about six years. I was in Hop Hog. My dad was a football coach on the island at Elmont and Sachem. Then we went to upstate New York till I was 13 or 14. And then we moved to Florida. My dad took a job down there. And after my sophomore year of wrestling at the state tournament, and the only reason I wrestled is they didn't have lacrosse. I would have just played football and lacrosse. They didn't have lacrosse at that time in Florida. That's what I was playing in upstate New York. And then my dad, after football season, I was going to go out for basketball. I was a mean point guard. I was going to go out for the ninth grade basketball team. And the basketball coach was expecting me there on Monday. And my dad took me for a little ride. And he's like, he was a football coach. He's like, you realize wrestling is going to be so much better for you than basketball will. And it's going to develop you and this and that. And I'm like, oh. Cause I had done a couple weeks in like a little program when, when I was in like fourth or fifth grade in New York and hated it, never wanted to do again, but I was like, okay, I'll do this. And after my sophomore year, I qualified for the state lost to the guy that took second and the guy that took third, I think by a point. And I walked away from that state tournament saying, I put no time into this thing. And I realized how close I am. And after the spring football game, I was an option quarterback. I probably would have started my junior and senior year and the coach had talked to me about some things. And my cousin was an all American at CW post on the Island, a division two school, which is long Island university now. And was like, you need to come up here. And all my cousins wrestled up there. He's like, come up here and work during the summer and we'll train you. I watched your state tournament, your matches. You, you could be really good if you put some time into this. So I just had this dilemma. I really thought my dad would like disown me. You're not going to play football. But my dad was just awesome as a parent because he put himself as a parent. He's like, if that's your, if you really think you can do that, then go do it. And not, Hey, I'm a football coach. You got to play football. He said, go, if that's your, if that's going to become your passion and you want to do this. And I bought my own plane ticket, went up and worked for my cousin, spent eight, I think seven or eight weeks on the Island learning, working all day construction, they would work me to death. And then I would be in the grass or a wrestling mat, anywhere we could find teaching me how to wrestle. And the next year I went in and won the state tournament and won it twice and then got recruited and ended up at Michigan state because of that decision. And I think of how little, you know, how little background I had in the sport, but I made the most of every moment, every moment of my life was taken over by wrestling. If I could find an old video cassette of it, if I could pick people's brains at the tournaments, I transferred my senior year to live four hours away from my family. I live with my grandmother to go be coached by Randy Miller at St. Thomas Aquinas. And it was just, I just found whatever I could to get better. And it just, and then when I got to Michigan state, it was the same thing. I knew I wanted to coach and Pat Melkovich was so influential and in knowing that, that at camps and things, he'd be like, get in the hip pocket of this high school coach. He's amazing. And teaching me those things. It was just, I was, I had some good mentors in the game that really helped me out. I love that. He, he told you to do that because I've, I've heard that you had a notebook and you would just ask these high school coaches, these great high school coaches, 
you know, everything there is to know about the game. Yes, you have to. And it's not only just, you know, how do you deal with this? How do you, I want to, when I'm eating lunch with them, I would eat lunch with them in the cafeteria and just hear the way and watch the way they deal with their athletes. And so I was always learning. I had the greatest with my dad as a mentor. My dad started taking me on the sidelines at four or five years old. I would be sitting through his coaches meetings. And even though football's a different sport, it's still coaching is coaching. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much. I was going to coaches convention in eighth grade. When we moved to Florida, I was, I was coaching the ninth grade football team with the, one of the coaches and he came out to the Utah Valley match. He lives in Colorado. He drove out for the match and his dad coached with the dolphins, but he came out and we were hanging out in my hotel room this year. And, uh, He's like, remember when you were in eighth grade and you were coaching, helping coach the team with me? And I said, yeah, that was crazy. I said, the crazy thing is those kids were listening to me. I was running drills and doing things and they just thought, hey, this kid knows what he's doing. Let's do it. And it's just one of those things. I always knew I was going to be a coach. My love was football. And I thought I'd be a high school football coach. And if I stayed, I coached two years in high school. If I would have stayed, I was already the JV coach. I know eventually they would have hired me as the head football coach. But I still love wrestling. We did pretty good in wrestling, too. I got to coach Lee Pritz and my brother and a bunch of really good guys down there at Western High School the two years I coached high school. I love that you, uh, for folks who are who are kind of following along in the story, so you go to Michigan State, you take yep. second in the Big Tens, and then you go after college, you start coaching high school wrestling in Florida. Uh, and this is what you're referencing, where you were coaching JV yeah. football, you're coaching wrestling. But then... Jack Spates gives you a call. What happens next? He would give me, as soon as I started there, he started calling me because I was helping out with the cadet teams in Florida. And so just, he'd be like, hey, you have any, who are the good students? Because he was at Cornell. Who are the good students? Who are the guys I should be looking at? Uh, You're going to be my Florida connection. Jack Spates is from Smithtown, New York. That's where my cousin wrestled at high school who taught me how to wrestle. So Jack was actually recruiting me at first in high school to Pittsburgh when he was an assistant at Pitt. Then he called me one day and he said, he's at West Point, nothing against West Point. I didn't want to go into the, go into the army and all that kind of stuff. So, but we'd be stayed friends and we'd see each other at the NCAA tournaments when I was there and competing. And, and then he started calling me with the cadets. And then one day he calls, he's like, how would you like to be the restricted earnings coach? I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? He goes, it means you can only make $12,000. And that's the lawsuit, the NCAA lost. But I don't remember seeing any money from that, but they still <laughs> owe me. But uh, I was like, you know, after we just had taken second and fourth in the state and we had it rolling. I had a big youth club going. You had bought a house, I'd heard. Yeah, I, bought, I just bought a brand new house. My goal was to knock off Brandon and we were second to Brandon the first year, fourth that next year, but it was really starting to come together. And, uh, but then I thought about this and here's another time in my life where my dad gave me some great advice. He said, I have a lot of friends in college football and the NFL. He goes, I had already started our family. Your sister had been here. You were on the way. It was just too much for me to try and leave high school and teaching and go into that you know, into that world at that time. So I didn't take the opportunity. He's like, you have this opportunity. You should do it. Everybody else told, told me not to do it. You have this great program. You just bought a house, but those are all material things that I could sell it or whatever. And, and, but everybody was like, don't do it. My dad said, I think, you, you know, he gave me advice. I think you should try it because you can always come back to high school. So I tried it and ended up going up to Cornell and spent five years there. 
how long in between getting the offer until you made the decision? Is it days or is it weeks, you think? It was only a few days. He called me and I sat and talked to people and asked a couple people. And, you know, everybody was telling me I was crazy. But then when my dad said it, and I knew in my heart, I wanted to go up and try it. I never thought I, I never, it never crossed my mind. I don't know why Michigan State didn't ask me to stay. They never did. And so I graduated, but I wanted to take a high school job and get going. But when I thought about it, I was loving what I was doing and still missed that I didn't stay there and where I'd be right now. This would be 30 something year going on year 33 or whatever. But I just felt like I got to try this. This is an opportunity to go to Cornell and figure it out. And I was so blessed because when you think about it, Rob Cole was the head assistant. Jack was the, you know, the head coach. I was around two of the best in the, in the sport and learning from them, the recruiting. I used to be in Jack's house and listening to him, the, the tutelage he gave me with doing recruiting calls in front of me and teaching me what he's saying and why he's saying and different conversations he's having to fundraising that I learned how to do at, at Cornell from both of them and just how we did visits and how it was a, it was unbelievable to me learning all that. And then Jack took the job at Oklahoma and then Rob and I were together for four more years. Just, you know, we were pretty close. We're almost the same age that just what we had to learn as young coaches and doing it and what we had to go through in the trials and the, and the, and the highs and lows. It was, it was a great learning experience. And, and uh, Jack was unbelievable to me. Rob was Really, and he's still special to me because he he treated me as if I was like a co-head coach, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something I've learned over on the way that you know. And Jack Spate, Spates told me that one time: treat the job like you're you're the head coach. How would you want it done? And come to me with things and have that mentality that I hire when I hire my assistants. I want the same thing. That is amazing because Rob Cole, as you said, just uh, just a real program builder. And people think of Cornell as Rob Cole. Even I forget that Jack Spates was there the first yeah. to turn it around. Um, but yeah, I mean, just think about how much more you learned at Cornell than like Michigan State because you're fundraising, you're doing all this, like yes. the CEO program building that maybe you wouldn't have had to do if you were an assistant at a Big Ten school. And maybe you would have, but without a doubt, I I honestly say this, and and it's not to discredit all the uh, state schools and all the different, but coaching in the Ivies is a great education as a coach because you have to recruit. There's no scholarships. You're recruiting on the financial aid part, but you're really, you're recruiting the true. When I say the true student athlete, I don't mean discredit the athletes here, but those guys are there. They only have four years when they come in, it's the four years and they're, they're looking, you really have to understand the different degree programs to sell it to them. So that taught me a lot about the academic side that a lot of young coaches don't know. And they get in here and they're selling them about, man, our wrestling program's this, where I've been sent. If you look at some of the guys that are on my team and I've had a lot of kids go to med school, I have a lot of engineers and very, very bright young men that were you, I used the way I recruited and learned at Cornell to get academic, really high level academic kids, which spreads your scholarship money out. You start to get these kids that are on academic awards too. It's uh, it, so that was something that Cornell taught me just about that you can get the best and the brightest and have a lot of success with them. Well, there's definitely a lot of parallels between someone who takes their academic seriously and someone who takes their wrestling seriously because you got to yes. be disciplined for both. And you know, if you have that that athlete with that kind of discipline, I mean, you know, 
look Without at like look at those Cornell guys like Yanni, I'm a perfect example. Um, yep. So when you got the job at Missouri, they hadn't had a winning season since for like six years, five years, something like that. I, you know, I didn't even know. So I, 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 I went just to saw, Syracuse. I went to Syracuse for like eight years right. as the head coach. And the crazy thing is I'm still close with, I, I actually was just in New York visiting my daughter and spent time with Mario out there who wrestled for me, was just on the phone with Rob Bouye, who's an author now. And all those guys are on my team and Sean Thomas who uh, is down in uh, Texas now. And I think his son wrestles uh, in high school. Now he was at our social at in Tulsa for the big 12. So it's like the, in a short time, the guys I became close with at Syracuse, but Syracuse just wasn't going to save the program. I went in there and was raising money and doing things, but they just didn't want to save it. So when I got the opportunity to go to Missouri, it's like, man, they're in the big 12 the big 12 and the big 10 are the power five conferences. That's where it's at. That was a goal of mine. If I'm going to do this and be a head coach. So it was a no brainer. And it was, it was at the bottom of the barrel, but I looked at that as like, man, we can build this from nothing. And what can we do? Let's see how far we can go. And that's where a lot of the lessons of my dad being the underdog at a small Catholic school and think jobs like that, how he turned programs around there's a lot I learned from my dad on what I'm going to have to focus on. And it wasn't, let's not focus on what Oklahoma state's doing because we're so far away from them that we can't. And then we got to focus on the little things we can accomplish here. And eventually little things turned into a little bit more and then a winning season, then a great season. And then next thing you know, our first national champ and great things started to happen, but it took time and it took time. And it was a process that we still continue that we're still on, that we're still trying to you know, strive to be a national championship team. I mean, you've done just a, an incredible job. I don't have to tell you that. I mean, look at the conference record streak and the track record, but just going back to when you first got to Missouri, what were some of the principles and standards that you wanted to embed in the program that you were going to be non-negotiable on? It was just, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to do it this way. You know, and it became tiger style, the culture. We didn't have the name for it yet, but it was, we're going to live this certain way and we're going to do things a certain way and you're going to follow it. And, it and, and so we started with small things, which is taking the stairs. You know, there's an elevator that comes up to our fourth floor, but basketball and volleyball, they're used to, where the wrestling room is now used to be a gym and they would take the elevator. I'm like, we're going to take the stairs. When you're a student athlete here, uh, you're going to take the stairs and I take the stairs. I don't know how many times I've walked up that stairwell, but it's a lot when you figure out 24 years of stairwell, you know, two and three times a day. But it was what a else? little thing what like that. Thing like when that? you run around the practice room, you can't run across the lines. You know, there's the circles at the end. You don't cut corners. And it isn't that it's going to make a difference when you're warming up. It's the mindset that what we're doing. And so I just started doing little things like that. You're going to attend every class. These are the battles I knew we could win. Okay. These were uh, obtainable things that we could do in the first year. Cause you know, it was a struggle the first year and, in the first three years, it was a real struggle. And then just, we're going to work hard. And a lot of kids didn't see that. And I had, I always tell the story. We had 18 kids quit the team the first year. I think we ended with 11 on the roster at the end of the year. So I knew I was still young then. I, every coach was all hands on deck. We got to wrestle. We got to work out with them. We got to lift with them. We got to do everything because there's only 11 guys. And so it started with that first group, which was like Mark Bader and Kevin Heron. And it was all these, all these guys in that first year. And then that first year became the second year where 
um, Jeremy Spates and some of these guys, Kenny Burleson came in that second class and they all kind of molded together. And, it, and I know Ben has his book coming out that he talks about that. The guys that were there were that core that stuck with it in those first couple of years with me and started to become my guys and um, believe in what the work was going to, that it's going to pay off. They could see it starting to happen. It's fun. It, it's really hard in the beginning when you're building a program and it's hard now. It's different then because it's like you're just trying to step one step at a time. And you, it, sometimes you don't know if it's going to happen. I remember defeating, it was Illinois in a duel one time in the opening duel. It was our fourth year and we had had three losing seasons and just telling the guys that you have to expect to win. We're going to win this duel. It was the opening duel of the season. We're going to win. And these guys were in their second, third year of starting. And it was just the mindset through the building. We had the signs expect to win, expect to win all summer. They stayed and trained and we went into the duel meeting. I think we won three overtime matches. The duel was like a five, five split, but we found a way to win and they were ranked in the top 10 and we weren't even ranked. And we went in and won that duel meet and won eight. I think it was 16 or 18 duel meets that year and won our first big 12 beat four. I think four or five big 10 schools. And it just started to, and from that season on, we've never had a losing year. It just, that was the springboard. And then a couple of years later, beating Oklahoma state for the first time in school history, it just started to happen, but it started with taking a stairwell, not cutting corners, going to every class and, and all these things, the momentum that started from doing the little things right and living right good things started to happen and it attracted better recruits and better kids and bet. And then just kind of snowballed from there. Oh my gosh. I'm loving this. Uh, just hearing about all the little things you guys did. Are there anything else you can remember? Like little standards you guys did, such as the not cutting corners or always taking stairs or like, is there anything else? Well, it's going to going to every class was tough on kids, you know, and if a kid misses class, we don't let them come to practice that day. And it's just simple. Really? So our Team GA, GPA is always good. Our, and three, four years into it, our guys are uh, thanking me because they're getting in, you know, by the, usually by their fifth year here, they're in the master's program. And a lot of it is because they went to every class. You know, it's doing the little things. Those little things carry over into doing the one mores. Part of the Tiger style philosophy or culture is one mores. One mores is a big part of it that if everybody collectively does a one more each day, and a one more could be, you know, you're, you're doing this podcast, you're going to, you know, make, come up with the, some really quality questions beforehand to make it better. What's the one question I should find out to ask Coach Smith and making that podcast a little bit better? Or I can do one more recruiting call that night. It makes it better. Or a kid does one more rep or helps a teammate after practice. We, we're constantly talking and recognizing people. A lot of times, Teams will have uh, meetings and things. And I found myself to do this, calling them out what they're not doing right. A lot of times what we're doing, my academic guy, I'll come, uh, Clay comes over, our academic advisor, and he'll call out the guys that are doing great things. So-and-so had a C in this class. He just brought it up to a B by the papers he did. And then I saw the time he was putting into study hall and will recognize uh, people really striving to do a little bit more to get better. And it's just a part of our culture. Some guys did some uh, community service this weekend. I'll recognize them. These guys were down at the uh, Special Olympic uh, volunteering their time with the young kids and awesome work, guys. Thank you. That's a part of creating a positive culture and kids that want to and making that the norm. Reading books is a norm in our program. 
And the cool thing is like, you know, I was talking to Rob Bouye at Syracuse. He's an author now. And I've always loved to read books from my dad. Help me discover that. And so now I'm reading these books all the time. And my team reads a book every year. Uh, Wyatt Colling just graduated. He's he's a, sa- a medical sales in California. He came back and brought me a brand new book. And he's like, coach, I got this for you. I read it. It's awesome. You got to read it. You made me get into this reading. So I'm making, here's a book for you. I hear that constantly. Ben Askren's now writing, a, you know, finishing up his book. So if I was a tiny influence on him about reading, but if you look at the top CEOs, the top leaders in the world, they all read. And it's yeah. just, it's a simple thing that guys, you can read a book and, and now guys, and even listening to podcasts and learning new things and new ideas, I have kids doing that. So they can even do it that way, or just listen to a book on through the, through their, you know, little iPods or whatever, and they can do it that way. So they have it so much easier than I, but I love to read. And so those are some little things that have nothing to do with wrestling, but have to do with making yourself better. Uh, you know, in the room, it's just, we've always had little things that make the program better and just, you know, how we're going to c- compete and how we're going to work and simple little unwritten rules. I only have three rules in the program too, because my administrators, you know, we have new administration. They're like, Hey, can you send over your team policies and this and that? And they're expecting a couple pages. And I have three sentences and number one, live tiger style. Number two, go to every class. Number three, see number one. <laughs> wow. Those are my three rules of the program. And if a kid gets in trouble, I bring them in. And I'll just the first thing I ask them is say, you know, uh, you know what you did. Do you think that's living tiger style? And it's known. It's then we discuss what we can do to change this. And, and you, you work with them instead of against them or, you know, punishing them. It's not a punishment. How, how do I get you to do this the right way? And, and I, we've just had a lot of success with that, that, you know, I think kids like that when they're involved in it and you're, you're there for them. That, I love the uh, simplicity of purpose, you know, giving a very clear mission and keeping it simple is a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm like you, I read a lot of those quote unquote self-help books or leadership books. And that's, that's a common theme. The other thing I've heard you do that is really refreshing is that if you see a kid not doing the right thing, you see it as him as a call for help more so than a situation to get angry at him. Tell us about that. Yeah. Usually if a kid's struggling in school and missing classes, it's because something's wrong. So is he having a hard time with the readings? Is he hard? Is he so far behind in that, that he's afraid? A lot of kids view when they first come to college, we have all these free tutors and all this through athletics and we're blessed to have that. But a lot of kids look at have never used a tutor before. So they hear, man, so-and-so was having to go get help and needed a tutor because he couldn't figure out a math problem. Or they look at it as a negative thing instead of, I always tell my guys on their official visits that the guys that use the tutors the most are the ones that are going on and getting their masters or want to go to med school and want to achieve at the highest level. And I say, think of it as wrestling. If you want to be really good at a single leg, what would you do? They'd say, well, I would stay after and work out. I said, exactly. And mm-hmm. you'd get the coaches to do extra drills with you and you'd be getting extra tutoring. And that's what it is. If you want to be better or great at something, you've got to put the extra time in it. And so a lot of times a kid, if he's doing that or getting in trouble, it may be because something's not clicking either in with how they're, how they're doing it or the way the, uh, somebody's dealing with them, that maybe they're in a, in, a, in a classroom where it just doesn't click with them. Maybe they have a disability and it hasn't been found. So we may have a kid get tested because of that. And you find out, man, this kid has a learning disability and I'm glad we 
I'm glad it's it's too bad it took this long, but now we find it out. They have extra time to read on a test and things like that. Or they're having family problems and this is the way they deal with it. They're going out and doing things just to deal with the problem instead of saying, man, I'm having these issues and talking to somebody. And whether it's me or somebody that's professional at meeting with somebody to talk with them, then you find that. And I've really learned that. And I'm not a perfect coach and I won't be a perfect coach the year I, I hang this up. But I know I've learned a lot about that through the process. And my dad used to meet with kids and help kids. He was helping troubled kids all the time. So I witnessed that and what he would do and the time he would put in that all through the years I've learned more and more. And, and talking to other coaches is important. I feel like coaches are afraid to talk to each other. Even the other head coaches at Mizzou, it's like we never talk to each other and we can learn so much from each other that we need to do that and share ideas. And what are you doing with this? And because you can, we need to learn constantly. And so I'm all for that. And I constantly have head coaches coming in or I'll grab them and talk with them or just even my assistants. What can we do? What did your coach do in college? And yeah. finding things out, find, and it just comes with the find a way the best, the champions in, in anything in life, find a way, because I guarantee you there was adversity sometime in somebody that became a champion. There's adversity. They got to find the way. Yeah. And that's like going back to your days, hitchhiking to get to practice, find a way. And, and oh, I was yeah. going to ask you, like when you're at a, a big time sports school like Missouri, how often are you meeting with the other coaches? And it sounds like it can be a little, or it can be a lot, depending on how much you make of it. We have like once a month head coaches meetings. We have all staff meetings usually once a month. And it's good because we're kind of up here on the fourth floor away from the world and we don't see anybody. Now they've had so many buildings built and everybody's in their separate entity and you, you don't see each other. You don't have enough encounters where you get to talk to each other and, and talk about things. So at the head coaches meeting every once in a while and then at the staff meeting, but now they've started these coffee with coach meetings and it was awesome because Larissa Anderson, our head softball coach, who's had great success here, gave a talk on culture. And I am, I'm a true, you know, this with Tiger style, I'm a true believer in culture. And just hearing her talk and what she's doing, I picked up ideas and hearing it. So I got to do the next one. So nice. there's pressure. And, you know, I'm so competitive. I got to crush Larissa. She got to go first, but now <laughs> I get to go second. So I got to do better. So let's go that's my mentality. But uh, giving a talk and uh, what's it going to be on? I, don't, I I'm not sure yet. I think part of it is going to be uh, the old Bill Murray speech from the movie Meatballs. It just doesn't matter that a okay. lot of times we focus on what everybody, what everybody at, here at Mizzou, Alabama has this and Texas A&M has that. And they worry about that. And I hear that. And it's just like, come on now. It just doesn't matter. Focus on what you have. And kind of what we talked about at the beginning of my days here, focus on what you can control and what you can change and make it better. And then as things start to catch momentum, you'll get better and better. So many people want the now, now, and unfortunately culture and our coaching profession has caused that, that people say, oh, this coach hasn't done it yet. It's been two years. He hasn't won yet. It's like, boom, they want him out of there. And that's the unfortunate thing about it. They don't give coaches time to develop their culture and do it. It takes, it takes a lot of time to develop a culture. Similar to like, a, you know, in like a publicly traded company, they want these quarterly results, but sometimes it can take years, you know, to get there. Yeah. And so you see that a lot in business. Um, now, it, let's say you got to that talk and, and one of the people asked you, like, 
what is tiger style, you know, and you already hit on do one more or like, what other aspects to the culture, like as you define it, when you like, convey it to your guys? Well, the, the four pillars of tiger style, I believe compete one more expect to win. That's it all. Everything starts with a vision or a belief that you see it in your head. You have this thought or this dream or this vision in your head that, man, it would be great. I want to accomplish to become a state champ, or I want to build this program into the best program in the Midwest and be able to wrestle the top tier programs and beat them consistently and have a chance to win a national title. That was this vision I had. Now I have to be able to take that vision in my head and not only now it, take it, put it on paper and then start to work towards it. And what are the, you know, what are the, what am I going to do with the steps and taking, you know, who are the people I'm going to surround myself with? So that's the belief. It's the same thing when I'm recruiting a kid, do you believe you can come to Mizzou, be a part of this culture? If you feel like this culture is what you like, and we're talking to them constantly about tiger style, and if they love it, they'll do great here. And that's something we know in our recruiting of a kid loves it and talks and asks questions about it and enjoys it and loves hearing the way we do things. Then I know they're a competitor and want that and want to live that lifestyle. They believe in it, that it's going to get them there. That's the belief part. That's also the part that they can compete, that they like when I say, hey, a kid's getting a C and then he does the extra study hall hours and he raises it to a B or an A. He loves to compete. It's not just in wrestling. He's going to, I know he'll work at his wrestling, but he's going to work and stay after doing the, you know, which becomes the one mores, but competing is so important. I watched my team before practice and they play kickball. They kill each other in kickball. It's the <laughs> most intense, crazy screaming and yelling. And I always tell them, I'm like, you guys going to practice like that now, <laughs> the way you just played kickball. But that's what I want. I want guys that want to compete in everything. I want coaches that are competitive and want to find a way. And when you do that, and then also it's the one mores where you have everybody in the program not saying, you know, I'm going to leave the office early today. No, I'm going to wait. I'm going to make one more call. And here's what I'm going to call. I'm going to call one of the boosters and just say, ask just to say hi to him and say, thanks for being at NCAAs because that call could mean down the road, an important thing for maybe mm-hmm. a fundraising or a, a meal or whatever it may be, or a recruit, same thing. That that one more mentality is so important that anybody that works with the program from my academic advisor, my strength coach, my associate AD that oversees the program, my equipment guy, everybody, I want them to buy into Tiger Style and know that, that you've got to come to the tournament this week. And that's a one more, the guys need to see you there. And the associate is like, all right, I got to be there. You're right. That's a one more. And they start to buy into the culture. When you have everybody believing and competing and giving one mores, then when you get to that competition and you talk about the Ben's and the Keegan's and those guys with their mentality, there's an expectation that you're prepared to win. You expect to win. And like I told you about that Illinois duel, they had put the time in, they had put the work in, they had done the one mores. Then you walk on the mat and it's not, we're going to win. There's an expectation that we are going to compete at a high level. And we have an opportunity to win here. If we go out there and just wrestle like we know we can. And, and so that's the, the mantra of the program, the philosophy of the program. When you do all that, that is what Tiger Style is all about. That's the quick version. And I then there's it. stories with everything. You know, <laughs> if you look right here, it's the quote right up there on the wall where it says, we choose Tiger Style as a lifestyle, not because it's easy, but because it's hard. We choose Tiger Style because its goals and expectations will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills 
because that challenge is one we are willing to accept, one we are unwilling to postpone, and one we expect to win. And Love we, it. We know what that's from. Hit me. It is John F. Kennedy, our president, when he was selling going to the moon to our country. If you read that quote, wow. if you hear his speech, and I think it was in Dallas, he was giving it, why some say the moon, why climb the highest mountain, why travel or fly across the Atlantic in a plane? Why do humans do these things? Because it challenges them to become great. So when I was selling to Ben, I was selling him that vision. Why come to Mizzou to be the first? Because you'll be the greatest. And, and I'm selling him on that. And why do kids want to now we're going to be the greatest team ever at Missouri in all sports when we win the national title. And that's the vision of that class that came in. And the vision in our practice today is reminding them of that, that you have this opportunity. Let's get to work and do it. Yeah, that is just so powerful. And I, I love hearing you articulate it. And when you look at some of the successes you've had that have sprung from that, what would you say was a bigger moment when you guys like first beat Okie State in that high school duel or winning your first Big 12 title? True. That's a, that's a good question right there. That's hard. I don't know if I, because both of them were so big. Oklahoma state was in a high school, right? Yeah. It was 3,500 seats at Hazelwood central high school. Never will forget it. I think their heater broke and it was like a warmer day in late, you know, middle of November and the heater broke and and was working too good. And it was so hot in that gym and it was (laughs) 3,500 and we found a way to win that day. And it was awesome. And it was a game changer. We talk about Ben B. That was a game changing moment because years later, I would talk to some of the guys that were on my team and they were like, I was nine years old. I was 11 years old when I was at that dual meet. And I'm like, okay, so what did that, what did it do for it? At that moment, I was a Missouri kid or I was a Kansas kid. I was like, Missouri is the real, real live program here. They can beat. And for Missouri kids, it just boom. And I got stuck there that night. I couldn't travel home with the team because I committed to doing a youth wrestling coaches clinic. Think of the impact, though. I hated it. I had to stay in a hotel by myself. Everybody went home. I'm sitting in a hotel by myself. We just knocked off Oklahoma State. And I'm like, huh, I can't even celebrate with my team on the way home. But at eight o'clock in the morning, I'm meeting with like 100 youth wrestling coaches from the St. Louis and Southern Illinois and all over Missouri. And it was probably the most impactful moment because here's the guy from Missouri that just beat Oklahoma State. And they started believing in and I was giving them my message about what our program is striving to be and where it's at now and what we want to become. And it's starting to click. And they're like, it sure is. So it was really cool, man, especially because, like you said, all those those coaches there, you know, they're the kids they are coaching very well might end up on your team at some point. So that's what it did. They were. They ended wow. up on the team because of that moment. So that was a powerful moment in that, but it also was a power, you know, when we won the big 12, it was the first time in history we had won the big 12 and it was home. And it was the last year we were in the big 12 for that time period. Yeah. And so it was important. We find, you know, it was like something I wanted to accomplish and we got it done. Well, and you know, you won the big 12 this year, which is incredible. And you're just, you know, packing the Hearn center at all times. Every time I catch a duel, it's just unbelievable to see the atmosphere you guys have built. I just wanted to wind down with this. How did you guys get out of the Big 12? And what was the process to get back in? Because I think everyone in wrestling is pumped to see you guys back in the Big 12. All due respect to the Mac. But how, how did that process work? Well, when we left, the first thing John Smith said to me is, hey, we'll try and get you back. 
And so year after year after year, it was what, nine years, I would talk to John and, you know, it wasn't like I was looking, I'm like, we're in the Mac, but it was, I would love to go back to the big 12. I enjoy the Mac. The Mac was good to us. I think six straight years, we were in the top 10. We had won the conference every year. I think we qualified 90 out of a hundred or 80 out of 90 guys or whatever it was when we were in the Mac, I forget what wow. it was. And so it wasn't like everybody was like, Oh, you don't belong there. This and that. I'm like, well, we're having success and we're, we're bringing prestige to the Mac. We're helping it. Uh, we're making recruiting better for those other schools that so you can compete against Missouri. It's how you perceive it. Mm-hmm. So, but my fan base really wanted us to go back to the big 12. So there was a couple years ago where I thought there were talks about it. Then it got shot down. And then one time John called me, he goes, I think it may happen. And then, I think it was Kevin Dresser said there may be a vote on it soon. I'm like, yeah, whatever. We'll see. And of course, I think enough presidents and chancellors had left the institutions that don't have wrestling, that didn't have a, a beef with Missouri because we had left. It had been long enough that they realized it was good for the sport by what the administrators and coaches were saying. Let's help the sport instead of holding a grudge. And, and that was kind of how it ended. And we came back and here we are. And got to win the first one back, which was really wow. cool. Wow. I love that John Smith is advocating for you guys to come back, which only makes his job harder. Like he's an animal like that. Honestly, I don't think it's harder. I think he's just, he knows competition is good. Yeah. And if you're avoiding competition, then it's not. And I, and I didn't avoid competition when I was in the Mac, we wrestled the best teams in the Mac and we went out and still wrestled Oklahoma state every year, Iowa state, when they would wrestle us, anybody that, you know, Cornell's anybody we could get on our schedule and competition brings out, not the worst in you, it brings out the best in you because you have to elevate and, and it's good that our conference is tough as nails with us and Iowa state, Northern Iowa and Okie state. And you look at all these teams, Wyoming's there's some good, good teams and good competition. So it's, it's, it's definitely helped our program. I know that just because the preparation that you have to prepare every dual meet, there's a national highly ranked kid in there. Yeah. And just the swings you go through when you're in that, you know, people talk about the big 10 grind January and February, but there's also that big 12 grind. You look at you guys went eight and two, but you had, you know, some, some real battles there and, and coach, you've been so generous with your time. We'll just wind down. Last question is I'm a big book guy. I love, I love where you're at earlier on that. What are some books that you've read with the team or that really stick out in your mind are uh, as being impactful? Folks, unfortunately, Coach Smith had a technical issue and dropped off the interview. It was an honor to have Brian on the podcast, all-time interview. I hope you agree. Um, But unfortunately, that is the end of this one. We hope to have Coach Smith back on in the future. Thank you for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life. This episode was brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a food supplement that you take a scoop of it, add it to a glass of water, mix it up. And with that, you have your daily supply of minerals, vitamins, your superfoods covered. So it saves me the hassle of taking a bunch of vitamins, and it tastes delicious. And now that they're a sponsor of this podcast, you can get a one-year supply of vitamin D drops along with five free travel packs if you go to athleticgreens.com slash WCML. That's athleticgreens.com slash WCML. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life.